Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is the review of Don't Worry, Darling. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week, we're here to talk about a little film that I think even if you don't care or watch films or anything, you probably know about the existence of this film because this film has like the most drama <laughs> around it uh, that that you could possibly want for your film. Some might say that's a good thing. <laughs> it, you know, it helps get the, get the word out for your film, might make people want to see what all the drama was about. But my question for you, Stephen, is uh, when you were watching this film about... You know, it's kind of a story about one woman versus many. Uh, one woman that other people might see as, you know, throwing a wrench in the operations or, uh, you know, just overall somebody that is kind of being gaslit by a bunch of other people. Could you not help but, like, watch this film with the context of all the drama around the story and see how ironic it is that Florence Pugh <laughs> is playing this character? Yep. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the drama... The drama melds with the movie in a interesting way. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I think it's fair to say a lot of people are only watching it because of the drama. So, you know, good good for the movie in that regard. Like, Alamo was pretty much sold out in my screening. And yeah. I know Olivia Wilde has a draw, and God knows Harry Styles has a draw. But still, I don't <laughs> know if I believe this movie would have packed that kind of crowd if not for the drama. But the fact that it is a kind of, like woman standing up against gaslighting and then the drama surrounding the movie has largely been as far as i can tell a bunch of self owns of all the ways that the movie's production and the people behind it haven't always lived up to the the same level of integrity as the plot of the movie wants you to strive for <laughs> um and i i gotta say i don't know i don't know what's fair you know because we live yeah. in the age of you and I listen to podcasts, right? So I will routinely listen to like a 90 minute episode of what the fuck with Mark Marin, And then a day later, I will see a headline that pulls like one sentence that Andrew Garfield said from the interview and be like, Andrew Garfield slams people who are opponents of method acting says blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I know they talk for 90 minutes you're not going to say everything exactly right. And the headline will make it seem like you're making a big deal out of a thing that you might not be. So for all I know, Olivia Wilde, when she said that shit about, quote, why she fired Sheila Buff, or when she made a big deal about woman's sexuality being portrayed on screen and all this stuff, for all I know, that was her in a 90-minute conversation just trying to survive, like, a goddamn interview. Um, <laughs> and then people take the snippet that they want to hear, and then they're like, look at her acting like she's this champion of feminism when she's actually a hypocrite, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. know what is real and not real with this movie, but it is definitely ironic, at least the narrative that has come out about it, given the way the movie operates. Yeah, what if she was trying method directing? <laughs> and she put the rest of the cast up to all these attacks and treating Florence Pugh this way, specifically to yeah. drive the performance that she needed to convey the story she wanted to convey in this film. Yeah, like like my... <laughs> First of all, that's... that's some Kubrick shit. Um, <laughs> my theory here based on two data points, which is this and the Q&A for Booksmart that we were both at in uh, when SF Film Festival did an early screening of it, yeah. is that 
Olivia Wilde is maybe unfairly a victim of how other people perceive her success. Like in the Booksmart Q&A, loved Booksmart. It was fun. It was funny. Had a great time. The Q&A was all a bunch of people in the audience showering her for being the first woman ever to direct a women-led comedy. Like, they were <laughs> putting her on a pedestal that she was not putting it on. Yeah, yeah. And there is no graceful way to answer that. You can deflect it and then be awkward or you can own it and then seem like you are wielding you know, the mantle of feminism more strongly than your movie necessarily needed to. Like, it's a no-win situation to be put in that place. And I think yeah. with Don't Worry Darling, it seems like it happened again, where it's like everyone is thinking about Jason Sudeikis, so they, like, want her to be, like, standing as woman in general in this, like, <laughs> grand universal view of man and woman that, that culture is watching. And they're like... Isn't it wonderful that you showcase a woman, you know, being pleasured by a man? Isn't that great, Olivia? And she can't do anything but sound infuriating after that. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. Feel, I feel bad for Olivia Wilde, basically. And we'll get into it when we review the movie. But I don't know if she deserved all the shit that came her way. Yeah. And, and it's kind of ironic, too, like, which we'll get into in, in, in the necessary spoiler segment for this film. Just mm -hmm. the, the type of people who would attack her based on nothing but the fact that she made a film that has women in it is right it's, it's an interesting uh turn of events i guess <laughs> yeah i but i do think no matter what the drama is the most interesting part of this movie <laughs> so yeah. i mean i don't know that i feel bad for it because i don't know if it would have gotten the draw it did without all of the ridiculous drama um i don't know if it needed spitgate i think it was already at <laughs> All the tickets were sold that were going to get sold for this before yeah. that happened, but the, I'm the, here for it. The crazy thing about the drama is like, like you, you know me, I am, I am never up on the gossip. Like right. routinely on the podcast before, I would be getting updates on like months old news from Carson on just things that like I should have known, but just never absorbed through popular culture. The drama around this film was so weird to me that I was being pulled in because I didn't understand how it could possibly like how these things could possibly be even related to anything related to this film. Like, I was like, what? Right. What do you, why, why? I don't, like, I want, like, New York Times <laughs> to do a deep dive. <laughs> like, spend six months getting to the bottom of what the hell Serial is going season on. four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it was one of those things where it was, it was eating me up. It was like the, the Lewis Black skit about the, if it weren't for my horse <laughs> i wanted to spend those years in college or whatever it was mm -hmm. i was just like oh i can't it was like i couldn't get it out of my head i was like how what what chain of events led to this it didn't make any sense right. um but but yeah i, I was i was curious about the film before <laughs> and afterwards i was like well i'm not gonna not see it now yeah no ab absolutely and i i don't think we ever talked about it we both just knew we were reviewing it this weekend <laughs> um <laughs> Because why wouldn't you? It 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 had to be done. Yeah, yeah. Well, Can I tell you, and this is like a kind of niche thing that not many people in the world will resonate with because I don't think many people in the world saw this movie. I keep wanting to call this Don't Worry Darling, He Won't Get Far on Foot <laughs> because of that movie that we both watched starring Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even remember who directed it. Except Drugs this film would be guy. called. What's wrong with me? This film would be called. She won't get far on foot. Yeah, she won't get far on foot, and she does actually get 
fairly far on foot when it matters. (laughs) (laughs) That is is true. He directed, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think because we watched both of them at the Castro Theater during SF Film Festivals, they're just like, no, we watched Booksmart at Castro Theater, and then we watched (laughs) Don't Worry. Anyway. It, I, it confuses me every time. I still routinely just spontaneously think of the scene of him just flying down the sidewalk in the wheelchair <laughs> and just wiping out. Oh, right. That's that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah. All right. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that film or Walking Phoenix, uh, but we are here to talk about Don't Worry, Darling. So what do you say, Stephen? We get into it. Let's do it. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling, and then come back and give you all a review. I have it, I have it, I have it. Focus, right here. Have a little drink. You and me. Always. All of you wives, we men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys, at least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing Changing the the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if... Stop it! No. Jack. It's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. to listen to me they're lying about everything we are not going backwards we're pushing forward everyone is acting like i'm crazy and i'm not crazy our life together we could lose this and I don't want to be here anymore. That was the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling, uh, reading the description from IMDb. A 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. Stephen Miller, 
what did you think of Don't Worry, Darling? I thought Don't Worry, Darling was mostly perfectly fine, <laughs> not bad um, of a movie. It, I, I don't mean to damn it with faint praise. I just mean like it, it was a fine movie. Like it wasn't a movie that was like a hot mess. I didn't think it wasn't a movie that was infuriating me. It looks and feels like Harry Styles famously said in an interview, like a real movie. <laughs> it's a like movie ass it, movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it It's a movie ass movie. And I agree when watching it, like the, a movie that is not a superhero film or like a heartfelt indie or whatever. It is rare for there to just be a like straight down the middle, reasonably big budget movie doing its own thing. And this felt like that. Like I feel like Olivia Wilde, if not for all the drama surrounding the movie, this would be a weekend where people watch it. They go, Hey, she did that. That was like a pretty okay movie. It's like a feather in her cap. And then the world moves on. Like, I feel like she directs it pretty well for the most part. Um, I have some problems with pacing. I think the trailer in particular gives so much of this movie away that for the first, I'm going to say, 80% of the movie, I'm not sure I saw anything that wasn't in the trailer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't really blame a filmmaker for the fact that the trailer gives too much away. You know, it it, it is what it is. Um, I think the movie gets a bit repetitive. It has some visual sequences that it returns to over and over again that are really effective the first time around uh, we see a lot of them in the trailer we see dancers kicking their legs up and we see um you know like an image of an eye and we hear some audio cues there are things that the movie does to say something is afoot in this victory land <laughs> whatever they call where they live um but I think the movie does it well. And I think most of it is because Florence Pugh is a great actress and she continues to be a great actress here. Um, I think the cast is pretty good. Like Nick Kroll and Caper Lant, it's fun to see comedy people, you know, playing semi-serious in this role. I think the bad guys, I don't think it's a spoiler to say Chris Pine and Gemma Chan are, are, are kind of bad guys in this movie world. Um, like everyone does fine, I think, in, in this movie. And... The things that were grating on me while watching it were how predictable it was and how little was happening. And then in the last fifth of the movie or whatever, a twist comes about that I feel actually justifies a lot of what felt hollow about the movie that came before it. It manages to explain everything, including Harry Styles' inconvincing charm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it does a lot of things surprisingly well and then you think about the twist for more than two seconds and then it fucking blows up um but before that moment that moment when i realized a twist was coming i was like god damn you made a movie i feel i feel good about this and for the most part i still feel okay about it i'm gonna nitpick the hell out of it when we get to spoilers but i thought this was a totally fine three to three and a half stars out of five movie that came out and happened and was totally enjoyable and yeah it's riffing on the Stepford Wives and the Truman Show and it's borrowing its best visuals from better horror movies and it, it's doing audio things that we've heard a million times, but it it does it well. It, I thought this movie was completely fine and kind of unremarkable. How did you feel? Well, I mean, fr from just watching the trailer, I felt the same way I felt. Like, what... what my predictions watching the trailer 
were identical to my feelings sitting through the first 80% of the film, 95% of the film. Right. Where I was like, in my head, I was like, no matter how well or not well this film could possibly be made for Christopher Schneezy, everything will come down to what is the Victory Project? Why is Florence Pugh here? Mm-hmm. What do they do during the day when no one's there? <laughs> like a bunch of these questions that I might argue are necessary for a story like this. There are ways you can do a story that doesn't require those answers. Say Severance, an amazing mm-hmm. television show on Apple TV+, Plus, where what do the numbers mean? What are they actually doing is one of the fundamental, fundamental mysteries of the show. And while by the end of season one, we don't actually know that yet, that is a strength of the show. It is building around these characters, learning what they can about their situation and trying to make moves. (laughs) Right. And part of what makes that finale of that season so good is like, Oh my God, where have we got to, where can they possibly go next? How can any any character recover from the cut to black at the end of season one? Like that is, it's doing, it's firing on all levels. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, darling. Is a film where the entire time I was like, I, this seems fine right now, but the longer the runtime goes on, the less confident I am that this is going to land the plane. Mm-hmm. And to no surprise to me, <laughs> this film, like the titular red plane in the film, <laughs> mm-hmm. does not land. Does not land. It careens into <laughs> the earth somewhere off yonder behind the hills for <laughs> no no explainable reason. And like I I like this film was fine. I was enjoying the vibe. I was there for the ride. I liked some of the performances. First of all. Chris Pine is phenomenal in this film. Like, he is amazing in this film. He is exactly what this film is trying to do. Can I tell you, when I watched the, was watching this movie, I was thinking, you know, he reminds me of, like, a Will Shatner type. I remembered <laughs> <laughs> what else um, he's been cast in before. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I could see him just, like, you know, sitting on the bridge of the Enterprise, <laughs> commanding a group of people. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, he is phenomenal in this film. Florence Pugh. It's great. She, she's great. But I think he, for me, is really the star, um, mm. which is, I guess, kind of the point of what the story is trying to say. Um, See, I, I would say he he does what he has to do well, but he has the burden of selling the plot of the movie. And that inevitably tarnishes his performance for me because he has to deliver some of the worst exposition. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, in the film. The, but that's that's the problem with this film is all of the exposition is bad because this film is a half thought. I think that this film, if you take it as a whole, it is a bad film and the story is bad and it's a half thought. And I think that if you if you actually think about anything it's doing, it doesn't hold up to any kind of scrutiny at all because this film is a feeling and a concept. But there is nothing beyond the surface level version of what it's trying to do. And I think that as that ending was coming together, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so angry right now. <laughs> like, I was fine with this film 
And then it tried to tell me what was going on. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And really, none of it holds up. None of it holds. Like, we'll get into it in spoilers. But yeah, there, I'm, there... I'm excited because I have a different. I believe <laughs> that it overthinks the ending. And there is a version where it could have just stopped explaining and maybe given us a more analog explanation where I would be like, I kind of <laughs> like this. I kind of <laughs> like what this is doing in 2022, in gender politics, in the world that we live in. And then it kept going and I was like, oh, no. I, <laughs> oh, I like, no. <laughs> I, it, it would be better if it was an analog version. Right. The, prob the problem, though, with this film is is you can sit down with anybody who enjoyed this film and you say, tell me your favorite part of this film. And they tell you, and then you just reply to what end? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you're really fun at dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's one of those, like, like usually, usually I'm like to each their own. If you really enjoyed this film, I'll tell you why I hated it. But like, I accept that, that you got something out of it. Like any, any mo, ascribe any amount of motivation to anybody in the film in front of over behind the camera and my 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 question is to what end like like the motivations don't make any sense there's no reason for anything to happen and it feels like what was written were the scenes that we were going to see but without the context for what it means or why this entire world would have been set up or what anybody gets from it other than the mechanics of it existing it, it, like i i i can't give a genericized explanation without going into full-blown yeah, spoilers. We'll have to go into spoilers, because I think I disagree with you there. I still think it botches the ending, but I think it's closer to not botching it than you do. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, <laughs> there is a character that buys into victory. Right. And the explanation for buying into victory makes zero sense when you actually take into consideration what victory is like, it's if we're talking about the same character who also has served other roles in this movie, um, <laughs> I believe it is the worst piece of exposition and by far the worst part of the twist. <laughs> this is what I'll say. If you, if you wanted to, let's, let's say it was your birthday and you wanted to have a party where Everyone in the party thought you were just the most amazing person on the face of the planet and like would kill just to hang out with you. Yeah. Would you pay 50% of the room to be actors and 50% of the room to be real people? Or would you just pay 100% of the room to be actors? <laughs> like if you could mm, just create. See, <laughs> we're going to talk about this in spoilers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I actually believe I can answer to what end for most people with a bunch of plot holes in the mechanism. But I think the motivation for most people, and I will give my exceptions and spoilers is actually pretty okay to me. Yeah. I, I just think like, I, I just, don't recommend it. I don't, I don't support their motivations, but I buy them to, to me. I think that victory doesn't benefit anybody. I think, I think you can't argue that victory does anything for anybody involved in victory and mm. and when the film hinges on what is the purpose of victory and what do these people who are married to people who work for victory get out of this society that victory is created 
to me it just does like i i just don't see it it's yeah, frustrating i think we're going to talk in spoilers. I think I'm starting to understand what aspect of that explanation doesn't work for you. And I'm interested in unpacking it. I, you might be more right than I gave you credit for, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so so things I liked about the film. Atmosphere seems cool. Uh, you know, the weird stuff that happens seems cool. Like I said, Chris Pine, huge fan of him in this film. I just think that he is really selling that particular role. Um, and, you know, everyone else is, is fun, enjoyable there. And, you know, there are moments of... of uh, there, there are moments where in the context of the, the moment of the film that I, that I enjoy the characters starting to get weirded out by the things that are bringing them. Mm-hmm. There's a dinner scene where Florence Pugh is asking people about their, their meet-cute stories, um, which yeah. I think is... That that film that, that that scene on its own perfect. Like I I love the tone of it, the way it plays, everybody's reaction to the questions that she's bringing up. Love that. I wish that film executed on all those all those things that it sets up, and I think that it doesn't in the end. So that's mm-hmm. those are my non spoilery thoughts. Anything else that you want to talk about before we get into spoilers? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I alluded to horrific elements like more like psychological thriller visuals that happen you know that may be happening in florence pew's mind maybe happening in the real world uh, many are in the trailer uh, there is a scene of suffocating that made it hard for me to breathe while i was watching it um <laughs> there's a scene of the walls closing in that is very much like repulsion and other movies about like places being disturbing there's creepy dancing a la suspiria that like there are things that I did think were actually executed very well visually in this movie. And in general, it does well at the trippiness of it. I I don't like how many times the men soundtrack <laughs> comes on <laughs> and we just hear, ha, 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 or that kind of stuff. I, I don't, I don't dig that. I, I feel like that trend in movies needs to go away. It, it's happened enough recently but on a whole i thought it did well at maintaining the kind of creepy visual and also there's there is a scene when a character is harmed uh on a roof that i think is genuinely creepy and disturbing and everything about the tonal aspects of the film work great when it is operating at that level i do think there's some laziness when it comes to this kind of elliptical storytelling where it cuts. And sometimes it's because Florence Pugh doesn't remember. And sometimes it's just because the movie doesn't feel like explaining to us what happened in between scenes. And my biggest criticism of the plot, other than the twist ending being botched is that Florence Pugh suffers from a classic main character issue, which is, not just saying a thing to her trusted partner, but saying it to everyone out loud for the first time. (laughs) And there are a lot of conversations (laughs) that I feel should happen in this movie that don't. And that is just kind of lazy storytelling. Let let me, I'm going to try to be vague and I'll dive into it more in spoilers. If there was a good explanation for what victory was, let's pretend you and your wife live live in victory yeah right and you work for victory if she is once again in the context of the film acting out (laughs) 
wouldn't you just tell her what you do for victory? So that way she would stop trying to find out what you do for victory. It's almost as if the answer to your question could be solved by having a good explanation for what victory does besides changing the world. Because give me a just, true answer. I mean, any answer like mm-hmm. it, it's a problem where like the only reason Florence Pugh is worried about what the hell victory does is because she doesn't know what victory does. So he could tell her anything that is convincing rather than try to gaslight her in a way that is like, Hey, stop acting out. <laughs> Uh, everyone else is fine in victory. You are just being dramatic. Uh, he could just be like, okay, I'll tell you, here's the deal. This is what I do every day when I go. This is why it's so important that we do it. I, I will start sharing my stuff with you. Uh, you know, like he, she could literally be his confidant. Like you earlier, just a second ago, you said your trusted partner. He <laughs> could gain the trust from her and keep her uh, from like, having these outbursts that endanger their place at victory by he just could gaslight better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could, he could, it will, we'll call it like a, a, it's like a white lie version of gaslighting, right? Yeah. It's like a, a little white gaslight. <laughs> yeah. Just like a little mist of gas. <laughs> yeah. It's like gas dimming. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I get it. We will, we'll talk about the psychology. Yeah. It's, it's almost as if the filmmaker couldn't write, anything that he could tell her that would convince mm-hmm. her that, that victory is important. Yeah. Well, which is funny because there's a version of this story where her, the, the wool falling from her eyes or whatever has nothing to do with the question of what do all the husbands do for work? Right. Yeah. You could imagine a Truman show thing. This even has that in the trailer with like the egg that's empty. You know, there are things like that, that you could imagine happening. Um, and so it kind of like didn't need that to be the reason she is freaking out, but it decided to do that. And then I agree, there's no good reason for that because we'll we'll talk in spoilers, but people could so, easily lie. Even even that Truman Truman esque version of the egg, right? There are two ways you could read that scene. One is the city of victory is some sort of facade. Mm-hmm. The eggs are fake because... Nathan Fielder it, is running yeah, it. It's, like, it's the rehearsal, right? Like that, exactly, that's, yeah. that's, that's one way you could do it. Or all of that was some delusional thing that she was just seeing in her head and she was actually smushing eggs on her hand and they were falling all over the table, but she was seeing it as an empty eggs, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is there's nothing in the text of this film to explain which of those it is. It could be both at the same time, right? And, and I think that that, yeah. that is... I wish the film was strong enough with its convictions to say, we are going to truly stick to one version or the other. And But it feels like it's just playing with the visual uh, weirdness of these type of stories. And it's kind mm-hmm. of bouncing between whether it's purely psychosis or it's the world that is broken and it, and it kind of plays in both spaces and dips in and out of both. And I kind of like that was putting me on edge a little bit. And then when the end happens, it just makes me go backwards and go like, yeah, fuck all those scenes. Yeah. I think it is trying to have its cake and eat it too, with the explanation in the end with the twist that makes the psychosis and the world building become one hazy glob of explanation, which we can talk about. But again, I don't think it succeeds. Um, 
in that. But I think for all the criticism, I don't, I don't know. I just I enjoyed myself just fine watching this movie. I think their party scenes are fun. Their Mad Men esque whatever lifestyle is fun to watch for a while. I think when shit goes crazy, it juxtaposes well against that kind of fun party lifestyle. I think. I think Chris Pine is a lot of fun to watch. I think Florence Pugh is a lot of fun to watch. I don't know. It, it was a totally, totally fine movie to me. And I'm I'm not someone where the explanation can make or break it as much. It can make it not be great, you know, but it can't make it no longer enjoyable. It's just like, well, it was an enjoyable movie that didn't know how to land the plane. Yeah. Cool. Well, Stephen... We have a lot to talk about in spoilers for yeah, now. Yeah, we have a plane to land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to land that plane, Stephen. A, a oh. plane that, by the way, I feel there is no explanation for by the time you get to the end of the movie. Oh, I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, there's there's an explanation for it. It's just not good. Okay. Um. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things that makes me so mad. Is because like you're not the first person to said like, "What's the plane about?" and and like. I just make this, I just make the very serious face and I'm like, the plane is just because of X and that's literally it. <laughs> and then I get really, really mad. Um, but Steven, it's not time to get mad yet. Right now it's time to give folks verdicts for this film. So what do you say? If you're going to give us a must see, recommend the caveat, wait for until pass of the caveat or a must avoid, what would you give it? <sighs> I am somewhere between rental and recommend, honestly. Like, I had more fun than I didn't. I think I'm going to give this a weak recommend with a caveat. I thought it was totally fine, and I think it is a fun theatrical experience. And you've got to know what all the talk is about, right? I I don't regret watching it. I walked out of the theater being like, yeah, that was, that was fun. You know, it was okay. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> it wasn't dumb enough to be like fun to make fun of it was just like yeah it was it, fine it wasn't it, super it, bad <laughs> see, see what i did because yeah i get book smart I, I gotcha. super, yeah. yeah book smart i like it i like it uh, yeah i'm calling it fine and but in this case i'm nudging fine up from rental to recommend just because of all the cultural conversation that you want to be a part of <laughs> Um, many, many years ago on the podcast, uh, I introduced this, uh, <laughs> this statement about the review that I wanted to get where I set up a scenario, which was like, what if I was in the theater and there was just a massive citywide power outage or the projector died <laughs> and I mm -hmm. couldn't actually finish the film, but I had to give it a rating. I probably would have given it a wait for rental. Um, mm. having seen the cool. entire film, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize we were starting with that as the high water mark. <laughs> that was the high water mark. Because uh, like, like you said, when you're watching most of the film, you're like, yeah, this is fine. Like, you know, it's getting the tone right. Some of these performances are pretty dope. Um, but it's not really blowing me out of the water. Uh, it's not blowing me out of the sky either. Um, but when that ending started to happen, I, I just, I just wanted to shake my head in the theater <laughs> And feel like I can't believe I want these lights to turn up so I can sign my check <laughs> and get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, I think this is a must avoid film. I think this film is pretty terrible. <laughs> and wow. we will we will get into it in, in spoilers, but it's just I I cannot I cannot stand for <laughs> the way this film tries to explain itself. And I know I'm Christopher Schnazy, 
the thing I care about is what is victory and what do the guys do every day? And the explanation that I get is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, mm -hmm. So that, and that's not just the Manhattan talking. <laughs> <laughs> they should have called this the Manhattan project. I feel like that would have been a fun, like <laughs> the Manhattan projects. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's good. That's like a triple, <laughs> triple untouched. <laughs> Oh man, I'll send I'll send Olivia Wilde a tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll read it. When 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 I I swear to God when I got out of this when this film ended, one of the first things I did was pull open Twitter and just served <laughs> Olivia Wilde papers. <laughs> no, I pulled open Twitter and did a search to see how many tweets said "Don't bother, darling." Mm. And uh, at the time, there were only like eight showing up in the searches, but I figured mm. there'd be much more. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's a good review. I liked uh, David Ehrlich's letterbox review, which just said white mirror. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I find it funny when people bash this movie, even though I did not feel it worth bashing. <laughs> but it's a good creative exercise for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's going to do it for the non-spoiler part of our review of Don't Worry, Darling. Um, we are about to get into what will be a lively spoiler section in a second. But for now, we have to say goodbye to people who haven't seen this film yet and who might still want to see it. Um, so, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at Twitter.com slash SDavidMiller or SDavidMiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from Artlist.io, so hopefully you are enjoying that. That music is going to fade up. Then, a few seconds later, that music is going to fade out, and we will be in full-blown spoilers so if you don't want to get crushed by a pane of glass as you try to wipe it down, you should, uh, I don't know, figure out what you're going to do. We're going to talk spoilers. See you in a second. <laughs> All right, we are back. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review of Don't Worry, Darling. Um, but we are going to worry a lot. Here we go. Stephen Miller. Should we start with the plane? Sure. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me why the plane. The only reason the plane, Stephen, is because the child that was lost of the neighbor who kills herself because she lost her child after she went crazy and walked out into the desert had a toy plane. That's literally it. So she sees her gripping the plane the day before she kills herself, where she's mm -hmm. like, clearly there's something wrong. And he's, she sees her dressed all in white, holding this red plane. And the very next day, Florence Pugh <laughs> sees a red plane, same model as mm -hmm. the toy, crash in the middle of nowhere. And that leads her to go walking out. It is literally just stringing together imagery that already exists in the film. So it's just her psychosis then at that point, or her yeah. brain projecting 
okay, okay, that makes me mad. <laughs> but the thing is, any explanation would make me mad because let's just dive into what the twist is because that is really the heart of this movie where you were fully lost, where I was won over and then half lost. <laughs> the twist that I like, and I have not seen the Stepford Wives, like I'm familiar with it as a touchstone, but I'm not familiar with how that movie ends. So this might be very, very, very similar to the twist of movies that it is like. Um, the twist here is that this is not 1950s, 1960s Americana. This is modern day, and it is a bunch of incels that basically have been listening to, uh, you know, Joe Rogan or not. <laughs> You know, not not Joe Rogan. Who's the guy that like cries? Um, the the guy that cries and talks about masculinity. Um, the internet will will not let me down. Um, but while I vamp, I will just uh, yeah, I'll I'll go on in the meantime and say this is basically a movie about a bunch of guys who feel impotent and want to live in a world where their wives adore them and they feel macho and respected and they all because this is you know 2022 watched mad men and see the mad men era as the world to aspire to and the kind of man that they would want to be and now, steven all yeah what is my response to that to what end <laughs> yeah well to what end like i i feel like that is a fine twist like why do they do that so, to so, feel more in control, to feel more in touch. Because I think what you were hinting at is why don't they just live in a fake world where they can pretend that women adore them? Why rope their actual wives into this fake world? Is that what your problem is with Steven, it? Steven, Olivia Wilde has a line where she states that the children are not real. That the mm -hmm. children are... We, the only thing that that can mean is that the children are simulated in some way. Okay. They are not played by actors. They are, they are not other children trapped in the world. They are completely simulated. If the children are right. simulated, why could the wives not be simulated? If you, like, if you can just uh, fucking, what, what, what's the, weird, if you can weird science yourself, your perfect wife, why do you need to kidnap a woman and brainwash her into behaving the way you want in a control? Like, to me... Is it just they don't have the compute power to generate more than one city in the middle of the desert? <laughs> like, I, you so, have okay, a so, simulation. Simulate well, so this better is, and more. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that point, but this is why you've already leapt into when I think the twist fails. Forget that it's a simulation for a second. Imagine this is a bunch of guys that have been taken in by a cult-like figure jordan peterson by the way is my reference of the man that cries and talks about masculinity or whatever they've fallen they've been red-pilled they've fallen for this guy that says this is how the world should be this is when men were men when wives were you know treated as princesses when they adored their husband when a hot meal was always on the table this is the world we lost this is where we should go I am starting a commune where we are going to live this way. You all, your real potential will come out. Join me. In that version of the world, animatronics are not there yet, you know? <laughs> and frankly, for the male ego, for the 
the red pill dude ego. He wants to think he is saving his wife, that he is giving her the life she really wants, and he is tricking her for her own good, because that is just how good of a provider he is. Like, I think in the analog version of this twist, I think it works pretty well. I don't think the weird allusion to weaponry or a plane crashing helps in that twist at all. You know, those little things don't make sense. But this fake... 1950s world which the men see as the height of masculinity and they think is what the women want i think that alone would be a actually pretty good twist i think it would explain harry styles feels off it would explain how impossibly doting everyone is all the time him like coming home always being like a sexual like beast or whatever like all of the stuff that feels very sweaty and overdone and very like oh you got harry styles so now you're just gonna crank up you know everything to 11 completely fits in a world where he's actually a pathetic dude who is living his fantasy of being the kind of man that he wishes he could be like to me that would actually all work very well the virtual reality part loses me completely because it brings up a million plot holes that don't have to be there but but he also like harry styles his character says when i go to work i'm leaving the simulation and I have to work all day to provide you. I know. Vi- like it, it does. I know the simulation part sucks <laughs> to what end? <laughs> but like, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Like, first of all, I, I don't understand why, why you can't just simulate everything. Like to me, there's no point in having real anyone because the whole point of the incels is like, you know, like from what I understand of incels is like, Oh, women will never like me because fucking women all are terrible, yeah. whatever, right? Like that's what incels believe. But if you want a perfect woman and you have a machine that cr- creates a whole town, why would you not just live in there with fake women that do whatever you want to program them? Like you basically have a holodeck, right? Like so you would need you would need to suspend disbelief more to make that work but again do we you, are not disagreeing the that the simulation makes it a problem <laughs> right yeah it, like you want men going their own way which is a different form of being red pill <laughs> those are the guys that think they don't need women anymore i think this is a guy who his ego hinges on being the provider for his wife not being the provider for some imaginary woman somewhere, but I have been, quote, using red pill language here, emasculated by my wife. My potential has not been unleashed. She is miserable because of it, and I am powerless to stop it. Let me take charge, grab life by the horns. Let me be the one who does this for her. And I think the for her delusion is why you have the real wife and not just an imaginary wife in there because you can trick yourself into her happiness being real because you are with her you know isn't and she's doing this isn't the other side of the coin of incelness about other men who are the men that you want to be and how you can't be them and they're all assholes or something i think yeah i mean you're talking about chads yeah i think i i feel like Going into a simulation with other incel guys and high-fiving each other about how you're rocking your wife's world every night 
doesn't solve the other half of incels, right? Like yeah, it, but I, I think, okay, so maybe incel is the wrong word here. What, like, do you remember when the game was popular? Yeah, yeah. You know? And it was all like the like the pickup artist or whatever of like here's how you like convince women this is what it takes like, but this feels like that to me. But Stephen, a game isn't a game if the cheat codes are on all the time. <laughs> like like that's literally Chris Pine's whole thing is I've been looking for a woman to challenge me or whatever the line is from I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was in the trailer that I played or just another like that's his whole thing right he's like fuck simulation's not working for me my robotic wife um who has played robotic wives in other yeah in other things before uh is yeah. is not it's just not doing it for me but this one woman who who can who's divergent <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's really getting me off right now so uh i also couldn't he just make a simulation of florence Pugh and harry styles fucking does he really need to yeah. go into this world what no, like i mean his motivations make less sense to me but to me i think he is a cult leader like he's an egomaniac or whatever yeah. and that is why again i can't stress this enough i love the twist when it isn't the simulation i like the idea of the motivation being that men who feel impotent or weak in their relationships get to go to this world where they they delude their wives but they're not drugging them with fake happy pills they are like deluding them into believing that they live in this time when women were subservient to men and they think you are going to be happy and i'm going to be happy yeah that alone i thought was a good twist and when it was coming i was like whoa whoa movie you've got more up your sleeve than i thought i thought this was just going to be like you know a truman show rip off a fake world and one person is pulling the strings i didn't know you were going to make it so every man in the movie was like explicitly complicit and knew what the modern world was and wanted to... i didn't know you were making the village you know yeah. like that was kind of my response when that happened i will grant the moment it is a simulation i have a lot of problems (laughs) Um, my main problem what i would call the free guy conundrum is (laughs) if you are a simulation what are the rules why do you have to chase someone in a car that goes the normal speed and on your feet that go the normal speed why are there not mods in this game why are there not things that can stop her from reaching the end i mean you know you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't have physical truman show where she's gonna like get to the end and open the door in the sky and leave the set and make it be a you know simulation i think both of those don't mesh together so olivia wilde definitely wants to play with the whole agent smith thing where like the dudes in the red suits are just coming out of nowhere they're always everywhere they're Mm -hmm. in a dump truck which come on i mean like that that dump truck could have been anywhere right yeah like it it just like it definitely feels like it wants to play in that space but it definitely doesn't understand or maybe you know maybe uh all the dudes in the red suits can get booted up anywhere or loaded into any part of the simulation they want but the cars are already running in the simulation. We've already established that there's not enough compute power to have another block. Like he was waiting for that RAM upgrade <laughs> to be able to render an extra block one line out from the center <laughs> of the city. So maybe they can't have other cars added to the simulation. So they have to run and grab an actual car that's already there. I don't know. Yeah. Did that What they do for a living was interesting to me. I don't even know how I feel about it because, again, I kind of hate the whole simulation part of the twist. 
but the idea that the cult leader needs a way to make money so he's basically farming out doing real jobs to the people in return for getting to live in his simulation yeah I'm okay with that. I kind of wish in the analog version of this that they were the red suit people. Like so, the husbands have to serve time cleaning up this fake world that they that they made. So the thing that I hate about it is this. Florence Pugh is doing triple shifts or whatever it is just so they can, I don't know, make rent. She can cover. He seems to be without a job at the moment. Um, he... Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sitting at a computer, but we don't we don't see him like coding or anything like that. He's just listening to the Incel Weekly podcast or whatever. Right. Um, and it so it seems like he's out of work. She's covering the rent. Their apartment is run down. They don't have hot water, probably because they couldn't pay the water bill, or it was just busted and nobody would come by because they're living in a rundown apartment. Like all that stuff is. It implies that they don't have enough money, right? Mm-hmm. Period. I'm pretty sure. A nurse doing three shifts could probably afford to keep the hot water on on that in that apartment. If she's locked in a simulation, what job is he getting? Like, it, it seems like no matter what the guy, like, it'd be one thing if he's like, hey, I have a thing you can literally do, which is break rocks in this quarry so I can build a physical city that you'll live in. Like, if if it wasn't a simulation... He could be doing stuff to keep the simulation going, right? They could be, you know, getting bulk eggs from Costco and putting them in yeah. individual cartons that they 3D printed, right? Like, like, they, like yeah. they could literally, their job is to maintain the simulation. That could be a thing. But because it is a actual digital environment with these little things on their eyes, like, even if it was like he owns a medical building where the women are in pods, and the men work during the day to pay the bill for the pod place, and then they come there at night, plug in, and they right. live their day for the woman's time in the time when they're like it also women have to sleep. Why would the leaving time why would they not just be in an actual utopia where they're all on a fucking island in the middle of nowhere where all they can do is like fucking drink my ties all day? Like why do they have to simulate a job because there are time when the women have to sleep anyways where they don't remember what happened because they were asleep so if they just turn the women off then the guy goes about his day comes back to the simulation and they wake up together in the morning i i, I there's just a better ways to do this there's just <laughs> right but wait when when is the guy gonna get to sleep then <laughs> it doesn't matter because you just turn them on you turn their consciousness on when you're ready right so so when you're done with the simulation, you both go to sleep together. Boom, woman's out. You sleep for a few hours, wake up, have your alone time, do your stuff, read your newspaper, listen to your incel weekly magazine, uh, do whatever you want. Maybe go hit a few rounds of golf with the other incel guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you go do whatever the work is you need to do. Then whether it's eight hours later, 16 hours a day, a week, a week later, you come back and you're like, All right, I'm ready for day two. Let's plug in. You know, like, like it's... I mean, here's the problem, because the rules have not been established at all. Right. We don't know what consciousness is like, how time flows in this world. It seems like time flows linearly, except for the moments that Florence Pugh suddenly blacks out and can't remember anymore. Other than that, it seems like it is real time that is happening. But again, I I hate that it's a simulation. But the. To me, the simulation was like the lazy, oh, it's 2022, we better update this idea, move on what would have been the perfectly good idea, which is all of these things that are like 
too perfect and cloying and very 50s glamour and very superficial. You know, we're partying and drinking every day. My husband goes down on me every night. He's an insatiable animal. The moment he walks through the door, he wants to tear off our clothes. Like, all of that being explained by pathetic dudes who are following some culty podcaster guy about masculinity, I 100% buy and think is a good argument. If it had just stuck to that, I think it could have done it very well. And then it fucked it up by setting up this fake digital world where none of those stakes should have to be the case anymore. Doubling down by having Olivia Wilde say, by the way, I'm in WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) Having a big epic chase, like all of that, I hate. I hate that it's digital. But the core of the good idea just carried me through to the end. One of my favorite dumb moments in this film, like, and this is not like plot thing it's just a, a, a character does something that's really really dumb is so so florence Pugh is trying to escape by putting her hands on the glass right um mm-hmm. she's trying to play simon says at the top of the hill and right. so she's running up the spiral road right at one moment she stops and goes huh and the camera pans over to show men crawling up the rocks right yeah so she decides to keep running around the spiral instead of crawl up the rocks away from like right <laughs> like the you are seeing an army of dudes in suits just scaling, like, obviously they have a shortcut, <laughs> but instead of mm-hmm. doing the same thing they're doing to also take a shortcut, she's like, no, nah, I got time. I can do this. I can run barefoot on the on the, the dirt. Yeah. Backwards and in heels. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, did you see the, she made it, you know, she made it. I don't know how. The sense of scale is not that great you know, in this world. So I don't really know how much they were gaining on her. Yeah. But yeah, that was dumb. That was dumb. To me, to me, Olivia Wilde actually gets the worst lines. I take it back. Chris Pine does not have the worst exposition in this movie. Olivia Wilde does when she kind of breathlessly says like, I know it's a simulation. I did it because my real kids (laughs) died in real life. And this is the only way I get to be with them. But when the men die in the simulation, they die in real life. (laughs) There's two things I want to say about this. So first is her, <laughs> she says, I know the simulation is fake, but I accept it because this is the only reality in which my kids are still alive. Mm-hmm. There is a line Florence Pugh says 30 minutes earlier about how she hates her fucking kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids like me more than her. She hates her kids. <laughs> so... Right. But I, I mean, I think that's intentional, though. I think it's like. Everyone wants to live this fake life and Olivia Wilde wants to live the life where she can take her kids for granted and be like, oh, they're such a handful. But to me, that was like meant to be a character aspect of her, not um, an oversight. Let let me ask you this, though. You think of Olivia Wilde's character went up to Chris Pine's character and said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah. And she was like, yo, I know this is fake, but I want to stay here. Do you think that he wouldn't just let her do whatever the fuck she wants? Because she's basically keeping the husband working. But like, yeah. she's just like, hey, look, we both know you and I can mess around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, no, I think I, I, I think I, I mean, what do you mean? Like, I think Chris Pine knows she knows. I think she chose to come there. I so I assume that all of the wives because it's because only I only assume this because of the whole incel reveal. If it was just a matter of like. If the whole world had died and some rich billionaire, trillionaire, whatever, 
like if this movie was actually about like Jeff Bezos, uh, a meteor was about to destroy the planet and he took like 12 dudes that he knew <laughs> and their wives and put them in this fake simulation. And like the rest, like there was going to be a reveal where like the shield that the plane <laughs> flew Mark, through. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> brought them to the metaverse. 12 yeah. bros <laughs> eating yeah. sweet baby rays every day. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if this was just like some rich asshole and like literally everybody's dead. But there's like 12 people left and they're significant others. And he's just keeping the simulation going. <laughs> like that would be a reveal where I was like, that's pretty fucked up. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But because this was like incels trapping their wives, I was like, there's, there's the only thing that makes sense is that Olivia Wilde's character figured it out and said like, you know, what? I'll just go with it. Like I, I didn't know. I, I think. I think different people come here for different reasons and her and her husband were both like traumatized by the death of their kids. And so they both decided to come into the simulation or, or this was like a freaking Manchester by the sea sort of situation. <laughs> and fucking Nick Kroll was like, I don't know what to do with her. And he was, he was complaining about her at a bar and Chris Pine was like, if I got a deal for you, <laughs> right. Huh? Huh? Yeah. No, I like it. Think about I like it. it. <laughs> anyway, she gets the worst exposition. And also, there's a very strange, specific way she says it, which is not the immortal words etched into our culture. If you die in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> it is specifically, if the men die, yeah. they die in real life. Well, I heard man is the most dangerous game. <laughs> mm -hmm. um. But, like, does that imply that florence Pugh wouldn't have died if she died it like there's like a so different th th gender rules about death that was the part two that i that i wanted that i wanted to circle back on um but i forgot it because of my other rant i have a feeling there were you know based on everything else in this film that there were many different ideas at play and that there was a different thing that got jettisoned at some point in which like the men are dying for whatever stupid reason, but the women, because like, because the men are like half plugged in, right? But the women are just permanently like, they're like they're like the women mm -hmm. have basically been uploaded to the system, so right. the women are basically the consciousness. It's more like white mirror, <laughs> where mm -hmm. the women's consciousnesses have been put into the simulation, but the men have to work, so they have to plug in, plug out, plug in, plug out, and right. because they are half in, half out, the death in one place happens in the other place. But the women, as just uploaded consciousnesses, might have been able to just be rebooted or restored from backup if something happened to them, right? right? Um, but that, that, that's, like, I don't think that's the text of this film. I just have a feeling, because that line was way, way too specific. It was like, yeah. they might as well have been like, you know, oh, people with the Y chromosome <laughs> will die if they're being simulated, right? You know, like, it just, it didn't, it didn't, mm -hmm. it didn't make sense like why it was so specifically said like that because like because she could have she could have literally just said like if you die here you die for real but she said right men or or it's just because she's killed men before <laughs> yeah and she's learned the hard way that if you fuck with somebody they're definitely gonna die yeah yeah that line was stupid yeah or maybe they weren't lying earlier in the film where the woman who slit her throat Maybe she really was okay because women don't mm -hmm. die in the simulation. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know why. I, do, I cannot stress how 
genuinely excited I was when the incel twist was happening. In particular, it being like, like Harry Styles is like going down a YouTube rabbit hole. And like, while his wife works, he's like listening to this guy talk about like the new way or whatever. And then I was like, oh, shit, this movie has got something to say. And then how quickly that caved into, oh, fuck. When I realized what it was trying to say was like, they are still in that apartment wearing little eye thingies that put them in a simulated yeah. reality. I'll, I'll, really bummed me out. Also, I, I like that his <laughs> Florence Pugh works at a hospital, but this character is not like hooking her up to IVs. To get, he is squeezing towels of water into her mouth and putting drops in her eyes. <laughs> like it, it's it's just clearly this is thought out. Like I I think the the guy who's taking all the money from them can have a better system. Like I said, pods. He can have a place where there's pods where he can just stare at the women that he's like conned into his little game and keep them healthy. But no, like <laughs> it's just. She's just laying in her bed, freaking Ready Player One style, with her eyes right. all all clockwork oranged out. <laughs> yep. And he's just squeezing a towel into her mouth. Can can I just say though, I think this movie does a great service for the way societal standards of beauty, unrealistic expectations in magazines and album covers hurt us all. Because the only difference between being the heartthrob in charge of One Direction and being a hideous monster is, like, not grooming. <laughs> it's not putting product in your hair. Exactly. I I don't know what the makeup person did. I hope something. But I was shocked and impressed at how completely unattractive Harry Styles is just because there's no product in his hair and he, ha- hair and he has, like, a little mustache. Yeah, Steven... <laughs> Should we should we shave our beards? <laughs> yeah, it kind of made me wonder that at the end of this movie. <laughs> oh man, I'm starting to think Chris Bond was right. <laughs> oh, all right. One last question about the simulation, Stephen. Why does the doctor need to prescribe drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I have no answer. I I have no answer for any way that the world of simulated reality intersects with the world of real life. I I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think they thought that out at all. Yeah. And and, and I think, too, like, one of the things, another reason I hate, well, one of the reasons I don't like the crazy shit that we see in this film is because... In the text of the film, it, it, it is literally a form of psychotic break, right? Like mm-hmm. she has been electroshock therapied <laughs> um, and, you know, drugged by digital drugs and a bunch of things. And it's causing her brain to uh, slip out of the reality and see things that aren't there. Things are going wrong. Like if you watch a film uh, like uh, The Invisible Man, right? Yeah. Um, the thing about that story is people are gaslighting a woman who is probably right, <laughs> right? Like, even even on her own side, mm-hmm. she doesn't 100% know whether she's crazy or she's right. But, like, the whole point of the story is, or take something like uh, Homeland, right? Um, where Clara Danes is, like, a person with bi- bipolar disorder and is believes something that nobody else believes. And part of the thing is, like, yeah, but 
is is she right? Like, like sure, she's medically diagnosed as being somebody who might not be reliable to you, but she's probably freaking right. Maybe you should listen to her, right? Like that. That's the whole thing that it's doing there. This film, she is actually suffering from stuff caused by the environment that she's been placed into. And it's not a matter of like, well, is she right or is she wrong? It's it's both she's crazy and the world is fucked up, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it, it, it doesn't, there's no conflict in the craziness that's happening t- because they're treating it like a horror film where like she is being haunted, right? Like that that is the way they treat it. And those things she's experiencing are caused by the situation. But it's not like a matter of like, it was kind of crazy how he just showed up and watched us while we were fucking, right? Like it's not, it's not like just about those sort of situations where she doesn't trust Chris Pine and she is worried about what's going on and needs to find all this stuff. She is also being played by these things where she cannot tell the difference between reality and non-reality because she's not in reality. And it's kind of like that. I think that undercuts that narrative of like being gaslit by incels um yeah in a way that just like i don't know there's too many things that make me like as i think about it and break it down i'm just like oh and this was all happening in yeah. real time as that ending was happening where i was like <sighs> yeah and it all is kind of confounded like i talked about how the the explanation turns psychotic break and the world is fake into one goop because this is happening in her brain. It it is like part of why the simulation thing is so dumb. Yeah. Because in one hand, she is hooked into a simulation. So the world is not controlled by her. The world is not a projection of her brain. But then clearly it is a projection of her brain in all these different examples, like the airplane, right? Yeah. And the rules of that make it really frustrating because we don't know when things happen in the simulated world is that like her brain resisting to receive the stimulus the right way and putting in the subconscious truth that she knows to be there and it turning into the world being like that therefore that isn't a psychotic break that is the real world intruding on the fake world it it complicates all of it in a way that i don't think helps the narrative of the story at all but yeah, I, I don't like that it's a simulation. <laughs> like, I, I don't like that there's red people running around. <laughs> if, if this is a simulation, she shouldn't need to take Veep Guy's, um, you know, medical file when he's not looking and then burn it later because all of that is recorded. Like, everyone knows what she's doing. Yeah. You know, they can just rewind the tapes. Yeah, yeah. So, simulation, dumb. <laughs> don't like. <laughs> yeah. And then if it wasn't a simulation... Then I have questions about economies of scale. How, mm. Like, like when a new person shows up, you now have to provide that much more food and everything for everybody. So it's like, are they all just smushing cockroaches into little pills that everybody eats? Like, is this like a, you know, right? Like, My answer is life insurance policies. You basically kill those people off and collect their life insurance. Like and you kill them off in the real world, own. and they move yeah, in the to real the, world, yeah, and yeah. then secretly put them in the commune, and that should fund fund this lifestyle especially if you combine that with the men all having to work in like the mines or whatever they're doing to make money in the analog version of this story yeah man see what would be smart imagine this what if chris pine was a doctor and the women were in a coma in the hospital but it was a medically induced coma 
and he just been like, yeah, we're doing the test. Like she's in there we can see activity. Like, I think it's okay. But then secretly they were running in the simulation. So it's like to the rest of the world, they're just in the hospital. Like, and you know, people are coming in sponge bathing them as part of their normal job. They have IVs giving them all the nutrients they need. Like just have it be their actual medical condition. <laughs> and yeah. Then... And then you can already see the reveal too, in like the flashback when like she's walking in the hospital after her shift and she passes Chris Pine <laughs> as a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, you did it. I think, I think you're making a better movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she's walking by, she slips, falls in the ground, and it's got that blurry view, and he's, like, shining the light in her eye to see if she's okay. And she's yep. like, oh, who's this dreamy doctor? And then smash cut to her, her just <gasps> waking up in the middle of the <laughs> the victory area. Um, yep. Yeah. That- yeah, I think, unfortunately, the twist was only designed to survive on a metaphorical level of women with potential like for instance she shouldn't be a nurse like you said if she's working a triple shift they shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck the way that they are but the movie wants her to be a nurse because she has like real career potential that is being squandered by the man and the man has put them in a hamster wheel where he is miserable but he thinks he's doing it all for her even though he's subjugating her and it wants to live in metaphor land and then it turned it into sci-fi and that doesn't work yeah all I know is I have marked down enough things on my little note card here that I think I am going to remake this film, but this time from the man's point of view, and it's just going to be called Worry, Darling. <laughs> yeah. Jason Sudeikis directs. Worry, <laughs> uh, Darling. Right? Get it? Because it's... <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, in a way, his Ted Lasso character is gaslighting all of us the way that British Harry Styles is gaslighting. <laughs> all right. Any last thoughts, Stephen? I think we've gotten out all the possible thoughts for this movie. <laughs> what are we doing here, Stephen? Uh, I forget what Chris Pine says. <laughs> changing, We're making podcasts. Changing the world. <laughs> Change the world. <laughs> All right. Same thing we do every night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week-ish sometime, maybe later, with a review of Blonde. Blonde. Which I'm sure is not going to (laughs) involve... Yeah. With no gaslighting (laughs) at all. (laughs) All right. Bye. (laughs) 